Okay, and you guys are doing more of the, like, how are you doing online? Right? YouTube. YouTube? So much. we do Zoom meetings. Okay, that, and that's how you so do it. So that's how we record. Which it's is really just, just a YouTube channel that we call a podcast because we did we never submitted it as a as a podcast to iTunes or anything like that. There was never an audio only MP3 option, okay. which we were beginning to look into. Season two, <laughs> season we'll, two, we'll nice. yeah, see, yeah, I like that. <laughs> we'll call that season one. We'll relaunch, <laughs> relaunch season two. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so so welcome guys. Just want to say welcome to the podcast. Um, this one we're going to do a little different. We're going to do the roundtable discussion since we have the whole team, which is great. So welcome to the Fred Tech by podcast i'm your host andres mendoza and with me is my co-host mark walker awesome um and we're here at the fitzy center recording uh this is where you guys also have offices so let's go around the room real quick and introduce the team starting with you yes yeah, so i'm brenda i'm the ceo of the company and uh previously i was working as an economist with the u.s government okay and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i don't know exactly how you want to do the intro uh that's fine go into yeah a long history or anything but uh i'm mike zemros I'm CSO of Teller. I guess I, I, I'll just say that I'm the non-technical co-founder. Okay. Now we can get into that if you'd like. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. But, uh, and we're we're here. And I'm Nick Fett, and I'm the CTO. Very good. The super technical. Super co-founder. technical guy. <laughs> yeah. He's got a T in his title. So we, we could geek out with you and us sure. as well. But <laughs> awesome. It, it's it's good, to, good to have you guys on. And I saw that, I guess, you guys used to be called uh, Daxia, right? The US. So so let's go into a little bit about your, your history. And <laughs> yeah, then, yeah. Then we could go into things like crypto and and then we'll sure. go into like okay. all of the so our CTO didn't say much but he actually t- uh, used to work for the CFTC okay and he used to regulate cryptocurrencies and that's how Daxia got started which uh, was a decentralized derivatives platform okay um, on Ethereum and then I came on board and the Commodities board. Futures oh, yeah, Trading sorry. Commission for those that don't know so he dealt with derivatives and, and these sort of financial instruments and also cryptocurrencies okay and that's how Daxia got was born. Was born, okay. Like decentralized derivatives. And, and how, do you, how did you guys meet then? So, me and Nick, about know, eight years ago or so, uh, we met. We both used to work for the Bureau of Labor Statistics doing, doing statistical software. And I actually used to be a supervisor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got different jobs, went our own ways. And then um, he started off Daxia, and I was looking into Ethereum, and then he just, you know, we. I joined him. He told her she had to I called her as soon as I started it. Uh, come join me. Very good. Uh, so got her on board, which was cool. Time to quit, Brenda. Yeah, she said. I, yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Mike, you want to. So, me? yeah, so uh, there's a local Frederick uh, crypto meetup. Mm hmm. That, um, Which everyone should go join yeah. on meetup.com. Frederick cryptocurrency meetup. Yep. We'll do another cool. one soon. You and John started that, and now kind of we sort of. We run it. We run it, basically. <laughs> Where do you guys usually host that? Is it at... Um, we usually do happy hours. So, okay. like... Uh, Old Mother's, I think. We'll right? do, like, Brewer's we'll Alley. Do. We just did... We're, we're Attaboy. We were Attaboy. Like okay. We were Attaboy. Oh, so you kind of move around. We've been doing it at Brewer's historically okay. most of the time. So, sometimes we actually do events here where we'll, like, talk about something substantial. But a lot of times... Yeah, we've done talks. Like, that's where you get out the whiteboard, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did Bitcoin 101, like, three times. Or we had one guy who, did, like, uh, was a miner and how to set up your own GPU miner. Those kind of things. And we did one on crypto and criminology. We have a, our colleague is a PhD criminologist and we sort of delved into uh, how crime and crypto and how they intersect or do they really, because you know, the stories, at least in 2017, 
are really pushing like crypto is this thing for criminals. We'll get into that. Yeah, I know. So, (laughs) well, anyway, back to how I got in here. Um, I met Nick at the crypto meetup Mm -hmm. in 2017, and he was just starting Daxia, which was previously called DDA, Decentralized Derivatives Association. Mm -hmm. Um, We were branded from that, but uh, so I had a an interest in crypto. That's why I showed up to the crypto meetup. Um, I also had a entrepreneurship and business interest, and that's what I did previously as a consultant and a coach for small mm-hmm. business owners and stuff. And I've been a small business owner myself for a long time. So it's, you know, just for him, he was just an interesting person. Uh, oh, he's starting a crypto startup. What's that like? I started talking to him about that. Next thing you know, we were, I was coming into here. This place just opened up. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I just moved downtown to this new office. Why don't you come in and we'll, you know, we'll just talk shop. And one thing led to the other. You were working there and it just kind of, it was like an organic thing. Next thing you know, we we're a team building, <laughs> building this thing out. I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. you, like you said, it, it organically grew in, or whatnot. Right. And mm-hmm. so we started as a derivatives platform and for derivatives, what you're Maybe I should not say this. So you're basically entering into a contract where something's gonna be paid, somebody's gonna be paid out or win or lose based mm-hmm. on a price okay. information price point. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were building that, we realized that it was there was a really big gap in the blockchain community or in the blockchain space on how you get that outside information or that outside price into a peer-to-peer network. Okay. So that's how we ended up going from decentralized derivatives to, oh, there's a problem, you know, getting data is not very easy mm-hmm. into the blockchain. So then we build our own platform and that's how we are now Teller. Teller. So if you're wondering like how, why we were something different. Yeah. The evolution, right? Yeah, there, there was the evolution. Yeah, it was like a legitimate pivot, I think. For, yeah, because of a need right. that we saw in our stuff for ourselves and we saw it in the community. So, so that's how we're So we Teller. closed the Axia down and mm-hmm. we just focus full time on this new thing, Teller, that we built, which was a solution for Daxia. Okay. So essentially you guys are just trying to get financial information via the blockchain? Like, We're trying to get um, not just financial information, but it, the way that our system works, we can get any type of numeric information on the blockchain from the internet, like the internet that we all know and yeah. use, onto the blockchain that is much smaller and much more... Um, uh, siloed. Right. In your blockchain, are you looking at incorporating sort of non-financial information in the blockchain to see how it affects the financial information for predictive purposes? Or No. So we're using the Ethereum blockchain, so that's already an established blockchain. We're just, uh, it allows us to actually program on it. And basically these programs, we say, uh, uh, or we try to write a regular contract that you would enter in, like the normal world, right, for decentral, for derivatives, where, like, you say, I'm guessing the price of Bitcoin is going to go down or the price of Bitcoin is going to go up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just basically put that on code, mm-hmm. the program, and then once the price goes in, we settle it. So on our blockchain, we're just basically, or it's not our blockchain, it's Ethereum's blockchain. We're just using that blockchain to be able to... Um, facilitate this interaction between two unknown parties when you want to enter into shorting or longing. Right. 
currency and then just automatically executing that contract. So we're not trying to bring in, you know, uh, like all sorts of information or even it doesn't really have the power for that. Okay. Um, what is it? IA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so so before we get into all that, because we're, yeah. we're talking about blockchain and this and that, let's, know, let's, let's get into crypto. Ease into let's it. get let's <laughs> ease into right because I myself know a little bit about crypto, especially when it started getting hot like last year okay. around this time, where it's like you look at Bitcoin is. Two bit, years ago. Two years ago. The, it was not hot this time last year. Boy, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it was very sad. It was right? crypto winter. It, it was. Actually, it was, yeah. Um, but Bitcoin was the number one. Um, and it, that's been out, what, since 2009, 2010, right? Yeah. And that was, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the first of blockchain technology yeah. and altcoins and this and that. So let's go, because of that, let's talk about Bitcoin. Okay. What What is it for? What is it exactly? <laughs> uh, Bitcoin's task was to unbank the world, get rid of the intermediary that is banking, allow people peer to peer to transact mm -hmm. like money, right, and send that uh, through the blockchain. So uh, they really their use case is payments, um, but. You know, that, that, well, it was, that was huge. Yeah. It, was. it was payments. It was, was. Right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. So, I, okay, so from my knowledge, right, what what we go through every day on a bank, right, I have, let's say, I, I work a day-to-day -day job, I get paid from that job, and it puts money into a bank, and then they keep what's called a ledger. So it says, yes. all right, I have X amount of money, then I start spending that money. Well, the bank knows how much money I'm spending opposed to what I have worth within my bank account, right? And they have that information. All that information, though, is closely tight within that bank, that entity, right? Because it's very secure. And and they also are custodians of your money, too. It's not just a ledger. They're holding your money. They're holding my money. Exactly. So so that's the norm today. And that's been the norm for, what, years, right? And when blockchain came out, now it's supposed to be an open ledger, right? To say, well, when I make a transaction between you and I or me and some company or something – everyone else can see that transaction happen, right? And because it's an open ledger, I can't I can't fake that transaction, right? And that's where the security comes in, where you can't fake a transaction because within that network, there are nodes that they, right. they validate that, correct? Right, that once you make a transaction, you tell everybody. That it, ha it happened, so, yeah. right? So in once essence, it's validated, everybody knows about it and you can't double you can, your money. Exactly. So in essence, too, like I make a transaction with you and everyone who uses that now has a copy of that. Everyone's ledger is the same. And that, like you were saying, so now it's decentralized. There's no central server to go hack or something like that. Like yeah. if you're trying to manipulate that on my device, well, you, good luck doing that with 100 million devices or whatnot, right? And that seems to be a, a cool security and feature. And tracked. Right. And it's tracked. Exactly. So, um, and but the security of like the miners, the validators are incentivized because mm -hmm. they get rewarded. So right. there's like, that's where the game theory comes in is that people are uh, selfish uh, at heart. And if you incentivize them to tell the truth and they'll get rewarded better by telling the truth than they would if they risked trying to cheat the system. Right. So you said miners, right? And those exist because they, in essence, miners, they they're, they have GPUs, right? Systems like that to solve math problems. But that 
is part of the network, right? Their their nodes in there, and what they do is try to validate those transactions. Is that what they're doing? Right. They're taking all the transactions. Well, oh god. Okay, so everybody sends some a bunch of transactions. Visual right? whiteboard, yeah. everyone. <laughs> and what you're trying to do, if you have a box, is basically fill that box with the maximum transaction. Uh, fees as possible because you want to make as much money as possible when you validate that block. Okay. So they'll put it on in there and then they'll go and solve this puzzle. And then once they either the first ones to solve the puzzle, they submit the solution along with their bucket and the, that bucket becomes all the transactions that are validated and then they get paid out. And that goes at that's the next block of the chain. That's where the blocks are, and then they continue. Everybody immediately. These audible clicks are the blocks moving through the chain. Sorry, I know. I'm sure the mic's really picking that up. It's my new block. So, so you were saying they solve a puzzle. Like, like what? What kind of puzzle is that? Like, what is it? It's like a, I don't know. The simplest way is like this crazy guessing game, where you're trying to guess this really, really long hash of digits. It takes your computer a long time to guess it correctly. For instance, let's say you had, well, how, what's the length of it? A shot. 256? 64 characters. 64 yeah. Let's say you needed to guess some crazy long number so, and letters, yeah. and it needs to have, whatever you land on has to have five zeros at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it's like, and it's just, it would take forever for somebody to guess this. Computers just run this. So guessing, all of, guess software all of the transactions that you put on the box, they become a text file. So that text file plus a number mm-hmm. that they keep just guessing. So it, this stays the same, but then this number, they just keep guessing until they get an output hash. Think about it as a math formula. No matter how much information you put in, you're going to get a 64-bit string right. out of it. Okay. No, you can put billions of text in it, but you're always going to get the same uh, length string. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could turn like the Webster's Dictionary through this hash algorithm. You know, you copy and paste the dictionary and you hit this button and it spits out this 64. And that's the one-way hashing algorithm process that's true for everything. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that keeps changing and everybody keeps guessing at is this extra number, this random thing that you just keep changing until your output hash has an, a certain number of, of leading zeros. Okay. So you're literally just guessing Yeah. until you have an output yeah. with, I don't know, what's Bitcoin, 17, 18 leading zeros, yeah. 19, 20, so I don't the, know how much When they raise now. the difficulty, it's yeah. like how many zeros it is. It gets harder to guess. Harder to it's guess. a little right. bit harder. It takes a little bit longer for your computer to guess the number. Right. Very similar to brute forcing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's super rudimentary. Well, that's the whole point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a guessing game. It's again. a guessing it's game, just, right? It's a crazy guessing game. Right. And so I've heard, too, that it, it's like this. It's possible to do this because of our current technology. If we had something like quantum computers, right, that just it would break. It would break instantly, yeah. right? Well, solve just, it. Yeah. How many uh, random numbers can you guess? In right. Time? <laughs> if that goes way up, then you break the system. Right, right. And that's why, like, you know, so you were saying they use GPUs. Like, Bitcoin actually doesn't use GPUs. Okay. They use ASICs. Okay. So ASICs are basically very specialized hardware that does just one thing, and that's guess these random numbers now. So, like, they've actually moved beyond GPUs. Now now your GPUs can't even compete. So they have just these whole mining farms just with very custom-built hardware, 
So I can't buy 10 GPUs and get my own farm? So there's other other cryptocurrencies. So that's like Ethereum, for instance, uses GPUs because you make it more memory hard. So you add in some component where like it actually has to store memory. Mm -hmm. So if you have to store memory and do computation, like now it's sort of a task that's more similarly built to like a normal computer versus whereas Bitcoin, there's no memory. It's just all processing. Okay. So. So that's literally blockchain 101 under the hood, right? Yeah. Which or is Bitcoin 101. Bitcoin, <laughs> right? Because well, you got to start with Bitcoin. You got to start with Bitcoin, right? Because as as we all know, there are altcoins out there. Ethereum's one of them. You have Litecoin, and then just thousands of others that have popped up over the years. So, do you have to give any disclaimers? Which we have to call want? Ethereum an altcoin at this point. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys? You can call Bitcoin an altcoin too. Yeah. Yeah, you could. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> And all the well, altcoin we'll is is just <laughs> an alternative, alternative point, point to, to, to I think of like the big, well, I think yeah. the big two, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Ethereum? And other ones are. I, I have to agree with that. Yeah. Alternate to that. Right. That's how that phrase got coined. It's like, big, well, there's like old coins and you can say like shit coins. Yes. Well, there's that too. Yeah. yeah. Shit coins. Elite well. coins. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go farther down the rabbit hole. Definitely. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So then. You know, with that, we talked about that. We briefly mentioned that it's supposed to replace the whole banking system, right? So back then when it came out, it was supposed to be another way for me to say I could, I could in theory, walk into a store and buy a glass, like, you know, a gallon of milk or something like that, right? But back then, I think, what, 2009, 2010, it, it was what? Like, the conversion rate was for every dollar, U.S. dollar, it was a couple thousand Bitcoin, right? Something like that. That wasn't for very long. Right. It wasn't for very long, but it started. Then then obviously it changed. And it, there was that first initial, right, where it became, I think, $1,000 for every Bitcoin or whatnot. 1100 or something. 1100 right. And I forget. That then, was 2013. It hit like 1300 and then yeah. crashed. But that was like within a month. It was like up and down. Back up and down, yeah. And then, I, like you were saying, so two years, two and a half years ago, I – personally got into i've heard of it before that and then i got well, into so hard, you probably didn't get into it back then because there was only one exchange to get it on it right was mount right. Cox. plus it's like I, I had you know like you were saying like i don't know what it, i don't even know what it was yeah. i couldn't understand the concept right away and then when the altcoins came out there like ethereum again Ethereum's not altcoin right now but at the time <laughs> um, all these other coins you heard it here first that's why it just started to become popular, but not in the way that it was intended, right? Like Bitcoin wanted to do payments, ended up being more of like a speculative type market where I can say, hey, if I buy Bitcoin for $1,000 today, it could be worth 1500 bucks tomorrow, What, right? And at the height, I think it went up to about $20,000 for Bitcoin. Yeah. That's when we hit, you know, that whole tulip mania style, right? Yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, what do you, what do you guys think about that? Where not only Bitcoin but even altcoins became just a drive to like, I want to get rich as quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting. I mean, it, I think that for me drove my a lot of my interest in it. So like, mm-hmm. I, as much as it was silly and crazy and very speculative, you know, I think a lot of people wouldn't be into it today had that. Great not happen. Not happen. Right. So there's a good side to it. It also killed a, a lot of uh, it killed off a lot of the um, I guess the perceptions of the space too. 
a lot of scam projects came out to to capture that opportunity to raise a ton of money. Right. So there's a real big downside to that. And I right. think the crash, uh, you know, was reflective of, of that. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> what did I think about the speculative nature? Yeah. And I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Where before that, I've heard about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all that, but it wasn't something that I got into. And that craze, I think, got everyone talking about it. I mean, whether you were technical or not, you talked about it. You're like, look at the price of Bitcoin and this and that. After the crash, like you said, it, it seemed to have cleared out there were scam coins out there saying, we promise to do this, this, and this using blockchain technology, put money there, and the owners just cashed out as quickly as possible, right? Um, yeah, I mean, but it's tough to say whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing. Just, you know, the people were good, but then at the same time, like, um, one question could be, like, was the technology necessarily ready for prime time? Right. You know, like a lot of people have, so you've, you've we kind of hinted at it before where you saw Bitcoin was this payments processing platform or it was supposed to be. But then what people quickly realized was that whenever the price went way high, it's now very, very expensive. So actually at its peak, um, whenever it hit $20,000, it was about $20 to send a transaction on Bitcoin. To like buy a cup of coffee. Buy a cup of coffee. Like, like, so if it's $20 coffee. and it takes 10 minutes, yeah. this is just not going to be the not future of payment. So you, right. it's part, part of the narrative switched to, oh, it's going to be this sort of digital gold. This, right, right. You know, people will just use it as a store of value. And, and it switched. Um, you know, and same with like um, other projects like Ethereum, even that we were built on, like some of the transactions really shot up to you know, they shut up from basically free in 2015 to now all of a sudden you're paying 10, 20 cents a transaction. Mm-hmm. Like this was actually really a pain for people who like myself who were working on the network mm-hmm. and actually trying to use it for things because these people were just pushing up the price and causing a lot of like headaches for, you know, the people who were trying to actually build things legitimately. Right. So, you know, there's like the pro and then also, you know, that you had, the other con to the big price thing is, yeah, you had a lot more interest and it's easier to say, like, raise money or something like that. But you also have a lot more regulatory scrutiny now. Yeah. You know, yeah, from, like, the wrong yeah. type of attention. Yeah, because before, you know, I, I was working at a regulatory agency in, like, 2015. And at what point did the regular banks get interested in blockchain? Probably 2015. Tw- How did that happen? 2015, 2016. How did it stop being a toy and started becoming... I don't know if it was a, t- yeah, I mean, so well, it, how did it stop being external yeah, well, to people realized at one point, yeah. like, wait a minute, like we can separate out Bitcoin from bank blockchain, you know? And yeah, yeah that's where the, all that the was, other coins came out. That was where like people realized like, Hey, there's more to Bitcoin and some banks said, Oh, maybe we can capitalize on this. And that, that was sort of something different. I think, um, I think it's when they realized they could make a lot of money on it. A whole new craze. <laughs> that's I mean, another one. Right? Yeah. That's a better yeah. <laughs> I would still say, like, it's still really early. Like, a lot of the banking hasn't necessarily gotten into Bitcoin as far as, like, it's not like, you know, most of the banks are holding Bitcoin at the moment or even let you buy Bitcoin from your bank. But, um, you know, they have, say, like, experimented with blockchain technology. Um, blockchain arm, whatever. Yeah, they'll have a blockchain arm of their bank. But that's right. a... Yeah, I've heard of uh, one called Ripple that I think a lot of banks got into, and that one is a bit more closed versus an open ledger. But the premise would be, can I make a transfer between one bank to another 
regardless where it is in the world, have it happen like that versus the swift kind of transactions today that can take days, right? Right. And so that, like that right there, it talks about the underlying technology and how it could speed up that process. Because again, I hardly deal with cash today. It really, a lot of the money is just numbers on a screen. So why can't I just get it out there as quickly as possible, right? So yeah, so definitely. But you, so you guys mentioned, did you want to say something? I just wanted to, I don't know if it's maybe would be worth doubling back about how Bitcoin became the speculative thing. Like, I think it would have gone really differently had it there been an actual user experience for people to um, receive Bitcoin easier. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if merchants had a, a an easier way to accept Bitcoin and people had an easier way to, to pay with Bitcoin, then people right away would have been using it. Right. And it would have... Uh, People would have been spending it, not holding it, and it would never have become this store of value. Right. There had been some experimentation a few years ago have, with, yeah, with phone so. apps and that sort of thing, right. presumably for that purpose, maybe. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, people tried. I actually, one of my earlier clients, that's how I got my first Bitcoin, was paying me in Bitcoin. And they were like this startup that wanted to be a merchant services. They wanted to help, like, your local mom and pop shop accept Bitcoin. So they built up this app that would just be easier because people really, I mean, it's, it was so difficult for the non-technically savvy to even get a Bitcoin, yeah. let alone like store their Bitcoin in a wallet and just yeah. understand. It was just prohibitive to people. Right. So like because of that lasted so long that the, those that could get it didn't do anything with it and they just held on to it. And then speculation the perception grew and then the value grew and then people held on it tighter. Right. And then all these other altcoins came out to try to like fill the gap of like, well, we can actually use this as cash or faster or whatever it was. For yeah. businesses too, it's also really hard to accept Bitcoin with the volatility that it has, you know, because... Right. It, it, no. I mean, how are you gonna how are you gonna pay your bills if you don't know how much money it's you're worth. gonna be able to get to right. actually turn it into fiat? Right. So having the actually derivative instruments out there for them to be able to hedge their risk and be you know have these be actually trustless and usable for them, I think it's one big thing for adoption that wasn't there at mm-hmm. the time, and even now it's it's not gonna be that fast either. It's just right. the technology is not there yet, so it's just. Baby steps. Baby steps. We're still building plug. infrastructure to actually make that adoption happen. Right. Do you think it's still difficult to get in? If I if I had no idea what cryptocurrency was and I wanted to get a wallet and do this. Oh well, I mean, I always it's like the dad test. Like my, my dad, if a dad can do it, then then it's ready for prime time. <laughs> That's you know? good. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad's still like. You gotta come over and help me get my ripple off a of Kraken. <laughs> you know, so like, which is an exchange, an exchange that, you know, right. um, so you can't, you know, sorry, dad, but, uh, you know, you do get paranoid when you have to copy and paste this crazy address from one place and, and copy and paste it exactly. And it looks crazy. It's not standard. It's not like anything else we ever do. If you miss a character in your you copy and paste. And then, you know, there's a warning that says, make sure you send this to the exact address or it's all gone. And it's going to somebody else. You know, going to somebody else. Yeah, they're both dads. <laughs> yes, it's true. They, they, they managed. So. <laughs> yeah. But well, not this dad. <laughs> Swank, so, so again, let's talk about the wallet and what that really means because... It's not 
a physical wallet I have to carry around. Like for example, I have this thing, oh, right, which is you. cold storage, the ledger, right? Yeah. I remember I bought that, but this is what they called cold storage, meaning I could put something in there. And Do you want to describe that physical object for the? Oh, who? it's a USB. It's like um, a, yeah, it's like a, it literally um, is a USB drive. Literally yeah. USB driver. That's all it okay. is. Just, just I mean, we could see it just yeah. so people could hear it. That's and all it, I mean, I could I could plug it in via USB to my computer, and that would be a way for me to access this cold storage wallet that any of my cryptocurrency might be. It could be Bitcoin, Ethereum, or whatever it can support per se. But there are other ways to do it. You can have a wallet, piece of paper, piece of paper with your right. private key. On so it. when you think about that, right? I can have a piece of paper, meaning I could write all these digits down, right? That I know has to be correct, but that is essentially your wallet. Just don't lose it, right? It could be on your phone. It's like a key. It's like cold storage is like having a treasure chest and you have a key, physical key to open the lock. Mm -hmm. You you know, you hide it somewhere. If whoever has that key gets the gold and your private, your, your key in blockchain isn't a physical thing. It's a password essentially. Right. Yeah, so that's where the open ledger is, right? Where everyone knows, or at least everyone can see that this amount is, I guess, stored in a certain place. You just don't know what the password is, like the key to access that, right? If you have the key, then anyone, whoever has the key can access that and then they can do what they yes. want. Which goes back to what the other thing that the banks do is they're custodians of your money. So right. they have a vault and they have security guards and they manage all the passwords to your accounts and all that stuff. Or, if you get hacked, they have insurance. They have insurance. They have insurance, right. Well, in crypto, I mean, there's good and bad. Good and yes. bad, right. If you get hacked in crypto, yes. tweet that. Yeah, Maybe you, you can know? get help on that. <laughs> I think a lot of people still don't want to be have that responsibility to be custodians of of those things uh-huh. um, and so that that's a huge uh, I there are different things range. that can go wrong right. yes <laughs> yes you're like where did I put my USB drive and, and can where I did remember, I back it up can I remember that password can I remember the password yeah and stuff like that and no, no one has great computer security and different means of intrusion as well yes yeah. and a lot of money at stake it's not just your password to your emails or something, which is really valuable, yes. but this is like one to one. Like you get into this, you have all my Bitcoin. It's, right. It's, uh, and now if you have a great memory and you know, let's say the numbers to the wallet and your password, you don't need to write anything down. You can quite literally you just maybe a will. Maybe a will, maybe, right? Yeah. Or whatnot. But, <laughs> but 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 what I'm saying is that you physically don't have to have anything to have access to that money or that cri- yeah. that, that currency so it's not tan- it's on it's it's on the blockchain it's on the everybody's blockchain. everybody's ledger, ledger. Right? yes that uses it so that, that that was a pretty neat concept and when i understood that then i understood that okay how does this stuff actually work in, in the blockchain isn't one of the values of blockchain in general that it can be validated everywhere is that everybody, anyone can make those calculations to make sure that this particular value is the correct value. Yes. That I mean, so there's, like you were saying, it's in the open. There's no hiding with it. That's something that isn't necessarily true in the physical world. Yeah, especially in, uh, what are they called now, frontier markets or whatever these, in, in countries where the banking system or the powers that be are... Uh, exactly. Not to be trusted or they're malicious against their own people. Uh, or any kind of fraud. I mean, it, it basically, but, it's sort of a digital, but, the hashing right. part, you know, kind of guards well, against it, that. Just in, capital com- 
Not, 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 not a, probably not a fail-safe firewall, but that part of it is pretty solid. Yeah, that would be. That's the technical yeah. person on that. Yeah, well, you know, there's pros and cons to having like an open ledger like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, Bitcoin and um, Ethereum are these open ledgers, so you can actually see everything that everyone's done, and you know, like, okay, this person actually got some the money, and this person has the money to send me, and that's good. Then it's also bad. Like, for instance, some we sent money to somebody else, and. We went and looked, and we're like, man, he has, <laughs> he has $30,000 worth of crypto in his account. And like, here's what he has. Yeah, it's just he has like, these various cryptos. And, you know, you can see their portfolio and what they yeah, like. Yeah. And that's sort of a negative. Or, well, you know. What they're so, spending it on. Yeah, you can see, like, oh, well, maybe they're spending it on this. And then there are, coming out now, private ledgers. So, like, if you've heard of, like, Zcash, for instance. So, Zcash, Zcash is, yeah. is a private one. Right. So, basically, like... Um, or Monero's another Monero's one. Monero's another one. Right. So, you you have an address and things, but you can't see your previous historical transactions and everything's sort of hidden. So, you can see your balance, but you don't know where you sent it or where you got it from. Right. And those are super cool, but, like, Zcash just had a bug that they had to fix. Um, one of the bugs that they fixed was they didn't know if somebody... So, somebody... in the With the bug, you could have printed, like, tons of free money, basically. But since everything was private, they actually didn't know if people had taken advantage of it. <laughs> and there was no way to tell. Because then, like, you know, like, if you sent yourself $100 million from somebody else, nobody can see that. Right. <laughs> so it was, like, sort of like, well, you can't even see if anyone exploited the bug. The bug or not. In your software, which was a funny uh, sort of... And it was like, well, do, do you have to, like, revert changes? Like, do we, how do we fix this? Like, if we don't know if it was exploited or not. Mm-hmm. So it was... Uh, yeah, interesting Twitter this whole space conversation. Is one big learning, uh, <laughs> learning experiment experience is. for everybody. It's almost like the software would have to be blockchain verifiable as well. Yeah, for the reasons you just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's tough. You Do know. you see that happening? Do you see that po- as being possible? Well, you know, the more I've been in it, the more you realize that it, it's almost not as much about the software as it is like about like the community and what people are running. So, you know, like with Bitcoin, like everyone's like, oh, well, like, so we, let's say we have this network of the five of us and we all agreed originally to run the software, but like we technically like, you can't change that unless three of us decide to change that. <laughs> so that's, you know, it, it's only as strong as like the community is in, in that sense. It's true unless it's false. <laughs> right. Like, like, so like if the three of us decided majority like, rules. Like, hey, you know, yeah. Brenda shouldn't have any money. So, like, we're, we're just going to make that change in the software and continue. Or, like, we're, we're going <laughs> to, we could all just, you could all just say, like, oh, well, we're going to switch to faster block times, bigger block sizes. Those are upgrades in the system. Mm-hmm. And they only happen when the majority of people agree to it. Right. Um, so, it's it's not necessarily that the code forever can't change. It's just that, like... I mean, it can be verified. Or the yeah. changes are tracked. It's almost like a blockchain uh, Git repository or something. Right. You know? Well, yeah, it's just... Like, you're halfway there with Git because you're doing hashing anyway. Well, it's just, like, what code people are running and what things you have to verify and what everyone is verifying, you know? And a community could say, well, you have to send along this right. proof or something like that. But yeah, it's very much this just organic community, democracy-based thing where everyone running it, that, that's more of what matters... Extreme and democratization. That's that's what you get with, for example, Bitcoin is splintered off a couple of times, right? Bitcoin yeah. Cash, there's other iterations of Bitcoin out there because that part of the community didn't agree with the consensus, right? Right. So if, if two people said like, no, we want to switch to something with 
in this case, it was bigger block sizes. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have, you know, more transactions able. And there's pros and cons to the argument. And, you know, those people went and said, okay, well, we'll, we'll just split. So What block sizes are common now? So Bitcoin's one megabyte. Uh, and then they wanted to switch to two, two. two and upgrade <laughs> to eight. Uh, you know, so it was... Um, and there's like pros and cons because like, you know, you have to... Do the block sizes have to be in a binary progression like you were saying, two to eight to... No. no. Uh, okay. The, the big issue so with the block size debate is like, so um, the, everyone downloads the entire blockchain. So mm-hmm. like you download it, you know, that's part of its security is everyone has to download it. So if it's one megabyte, now it grows at the size of one megabyte every 10 minutes for Bitcoin. So it's getting pretty big. Uh, now let's say you switch to one gigabyte. Now it's growing ridiculously fast and pretty soon it's to the point that it's several terabytes. And That brings people- up the question, can extrapolate that into the future? Is that sustainable? A lot of, well, you know, well, the argument that sometimes you hear is, well, computers have gotten so much better at storing data. So <laughs> theoretically, like it could be, but yeah, no, like Ethereum is actually having a big issue with that because theirs is growing really big. And it's to the point where like, even Bitcoin and Ethereum now, like you would probably never download it on your normal computer now. Like it, it's like, you know, you'll waste a terabyte of space for a pro, you know, if you want to run everything. And so it, it's getting like prohibitive. And Ethereum solution to that is so they're actually doing rent, yeah, on their version 2.0 mm-hmm. to where like whenever you submit the transaction, you have to pay rent on like the block space that you store so like you you pay pay for it it's like a banking fee right well it's going to be stored for two years and then we're going to get rid of it so that way like we don't have to because now like think about if you have like if you send a transaction to mike and then like that was 10 years ago like we're still holding that information in there uh-huh. to calculate everything out like can't we you know people have talked about like versioning like baseline at every right, now like, yeah. they just is that and being discussed and yeah it, it is being discussed and some people you know but is is that like a good thing? You know, like how how do people agree on well, what's the baseline? And, right. You know, is anyone going to store the previous stuff so you can prove you would have to archive it? There well, who archives it? You yeah. know, is that going to be a centralized yeah. thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it goes yeah. against the principles. You get into these yeah. Like, yeah. right. You get into these really weird arguments that like don't necessarily uh, there there hasn't been a solution as of yet. It's so. amazing how you're talking about yeah, all these archive things. Archive sidechain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like you're talking about all these things, and you realize like why why is there another version of Bitcoin? Like this is why, right? Because yeah. you have to discuss these things, and like where where does that tech underlying tech go, and how does it evolve, and things like that, and it's just one big experiment over and over and over. Well, it's super cool because you know it's like we disagree on something, and it's like, well, instead of having to choose, let's just both try. Both try to see which one succeeds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You get, but how do you merge back afterward? Oh, there is no you merge. Work and then you merge, yeah. and you can't do that. Well, no, I mean that's like the community's law. Just you just, you just sell your one. coin and yeah. then buy the other coin. And you merge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like exchanging euros for pounds or something. Yeah. I don't know. So do you guys ever see, um, like, what do you see the blockchain technology use? Like, how would it, it's really tough. Like, where do you see it really exploding again in terms of use? Because its initial premise was to replace fiat. That didn't happen. That's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? And 
And even if it was something that can compete one to one with fiat, do you ever see it replacing fiat altogether? Because now you have you have a, a sense of currency that is no longer controlled by government, right? It's not backed by government. What does that even mean for for it to be not backed by government? That's that just seems very weird. Sure. Well, I think um, you know the, you, you might. I think crypto is going to be used ultimately for. Like, what's the whole purpose of crypto is, is this kind of the fair question mm-hmm. in, in, I think, our minds. Like, you sort of see the big use cases as, like, basically regulatory arbitrage. Like, doing things that are illegal that you couldn't do in a centralized system. So, like, you guys sort of, sort of touched on it, like, blockchain versus Bitcoin. And it's different. Like, and we sort of touched on it that, like, so we all copy everything for blockchain. So, blockchains are basically really, really inefficient databases. <laughs> so, they're... They're, they're actually awful. So, like, if you can do it in a centralized way, it's way better to not use a blockchain. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, then why would you ever use a blockchain? And the only reason you would ever use a blockchain is for things that somebody might try and shut down. And, and that's kind of how we see it. So, like, what might people shut down? And, you know, obviously, like, capital controls, like Brenda said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you're trying to get around, like, your government won't let you transfer money. Or you're afraid of your oppressive government regime coming in and taking your sure. money or your property records or something. That's doing something illegal in a, in a righteous way mm-hmm. where the, the laws are bad at that point. Third world countries, these frontier markets or whatever, I think. Mm-hmm. Or, to. Yeah, or, or criminal activity. <laughs> or, or something you could say like where like we two parties who really can't agree. So like if like Russia and the U.S. and North Korea and China all have to come up with an agreement or something like, and like, what are, what's the ultimate currency going to be that we use? Mm-hmm. Like, unless like right now, like the U.S. has like the dollar reserve currency, mm-hmm. uh, but like let's say other powers start challenging that, like they'll probably want their currency. Well, like what are we ultimately going to agree upon? Well, like if you don't see them ever agreeing on something. Bitcoin is an option. See what the Europeans have gone through when they built the, the yeah. Euro. Yeah. You, know, you could move to something that doesn't require you to agree on something that isn't controlled by one government. But I have to imagine, even if, let's say, several countries got together like the European Union did and say, all right, we'll agree on some, let's say Bitcoin or some example of that, you can still run into those issues of how does that stuff evolve, right? And that's where... Which would be super cool. <laughs> be fun to see where it goes. See where it goes in country, <laughs> with the countries. I can see that. Yeah, um, that's that'd be very interesting to see. If we can do that, but again, I, I'm no I'm no economist. So I don't know how that would work. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think those are going to be the big use cases. So okay. going forward, you're not going to you know, whenever like, like we just sort of hinted at like you know blockchains are these really efficient databases so like why would you ever use one should be the question mm-hmm. uh, and the big reasons are going to be you know the, these things that people can't agree on or that you're trying to get around something and you know Bitcoin has sort of found it's the big use cases for Bitcoin you see spikes like in Zimbabwe whenever they have hyperinflation or like some people in China if you yep. use them to like in, in China Venezuela they did the same thing saying, South America and Africa right. are going to yeah. be I think uh the beachhead for mass adoption for this thing, right? At least in those communities, the microtransactions, for example, yeah. right? And not only that, if you think about it too, because going back to the wallet, like I can have a wallet on my phone. So now you're you're talking about these third world countries that actually 
internet access is coming now because of mobile, you know, smartphones, right? You have, it's easier for a country to implement cell towers than it is to just put landlines, right? So now you have all these people coming online and saying, all right, I have access to internet. How can I pay for goods and services? And I've seen other altcoins talk about things like that, where you can pay people with, you know, some cryptocurrency. Yeah. Well, they could do it in Africa without smartphones too. What do they call the non-smartphones? Some it's some weird term I just heard, and it's again like we're very isolated, being in the you know the first world or being mm-hmm. the United States. We're we're not almost can't imagine a world where most people don't have smartphones. They have like these old flip phones. Right. right. So how do you send Bitcoin phone to phone without apps? And they have some, you know, interesting methods to do it using like your sort of text-based SMS, SMS, or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but <laughs> they had to come up with solutions to, to allow people to do that. Just to be a back-end server infrastructure yeah. to support that if you're doing SMS texting. I mean, there's and there's a ton of really great companies just tackling the, the needs of those those countries. And I also just recently learned just a few months ago that uh, you can't send Bitcoin over was it radio waves. You can. Yeah. yeah so like. Somebody uh, sent Bitcoin over radio waves. Yeah. So you're not allowed to do that? No, you no, are. You are. And we you just can. figured out we can. Yeah. So, huh. If you do it from your smartphone, you are anyway because of the yeah. 4G. It's true. So, so, you know, I don't know. But, but yeah, I think the use cases go for Bitcoin. I think, uh, you know, we're not going to replace fiat, as you said, uh, or at least we're not going to replace the US dollar. Anytime soon, like you know, we we all we use credit cards. We really like credit cards. We get three percent cash back, and we can call them whenever somebody steals it. Uh, sure. You know things that don't really happen with Bitcoin. And it's the Bitcoin is not anything blockchain is not backstopped like that. Exactly. You know, so like it, it sort of has to be backstopped by a central party who's one to do that. And like until you can, like people really have to like privacy and be in their own bank to get rid of that. And that's. Yeah. And efficiencies, anywhere where it actually brings efficiency. I mean, there are some transactions that I think could be legal and like just in general sending money over. I know there's money transmitted with laws and whatever, but that's way more efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's not going to go away, even if it doesn't replace fiat and there's got to be a channel for it to eventually become fiat. Right. The fact that you can do it that easily, we're creatures of comfort. Yeah. Right. We're not going to give that up now that we know it exists. Now that it exists, yeah. Especially when you compare it to the regular prices of other services. Right. Yeah, like if I had to transfer money, you know, halfway around the world, it's, what, a week or something like that? And it's just... Well, I don't know if you guys saw the news. Fed now, did you see? So the, this is probably the biggest benefit of, like, these illegal... Yeah, these, these underground systems is that they force the normal banks to catch up mm-hmm. and, and do things in a better way. So, like... The Fed actually announced in 2020 they're going to start Fed now. So basically the way that our monetary system works is that uh, right now only the, there's 12 uh, Federal Reserve banks and they have to do all the transfers and you have to go through one of them to actually transfer money and that's why everything takes a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're going to open up Fed now, which is they're hoping to enable everyone to be able to access that and be able to do instantaneous payments, basically like so we can do like Bitcoin with dollars. Wow, uh, and the Fed's opening that up, which is going to be super cool. Uh, but you know, like I'd like to think that maybe they're feeling the pressure. They uh, are, you're right? You know, are you using the, a blockchain for the twelve. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, so it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, I like to compare it to like the early days of like Napster. 
So, you know, like Napster originally, like people realized like, oh, you don't have to buy the whole album. You can go legally download this music on a torrent. Uh, and now, and then everyone was like, oh, crap, like we have to stop making an Apple iTunes. Happened. Yeah. And then Apple iTunes yeah. happened. So like it almost exactly. forced the industry to change. Yeah, to change so yeah. it was like. I, I think you'll see. So Bitcoin is an incentive for the banks to improve their processes. And again, I mean, competition is good, right? Absolutely. And for that, like, I think that's a big improvement for what we had, even if, the, if, it's all, if it only serves our purpose. Right. Yeah. I think there, there's, there, it's all going to coexist, I think, at some point. You're going to have, the banks are going to really improve what they can offer, and the majority of us will use that. And there's still going to be a place for this fully decentralized yeah, no one owns it. No one controls it. Type of system. Yeah, and the people that really need that, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, will use that. Similar, like you can still go to a torrent website and download music if you want to, right? Which I wouldn't because I, I'll just pay no ten dollars a month and get yeah. it on Spotify. You know, the easiest thing. But again, world. there's a difference between me just being greedy and wanting to be a pirate, so I don't want to pay ninety nine cents on iTunes, so I download it. Versus, imagine an island where you have. Um, an evil ruler says music's not allowed, right? And giving those people access to music, um, like a twisted version of Footloose. Or something like that. It's going to be a movie, guys. <laughs> so it's going to be the, the remake of Footloose. Yeah, remake of Footloose. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and I guess that's another use case for blockchain is, is information, right? Information could be de- decentralized and you can access that, whether it's derivative information or as you were trying to allude to information that is non-financial could theoretically be on there i don't know how that would look or voting voting right yeah so you can yeah. tokenize certain things mm-hmm. uh, i think governance is another interesting use case for blockchain uh, how so well i mean just finding ways to make something as simple as collecting votes uh, simple Okay. Fast and secure and trustless. Mm-hmm. I think it's very attractive. You know. West Virginia, did they? Yeah, West Virginia put it on, yeah. on the blockchain. They did a use case. It was on, it was on a centralized blockchain, but they sure these are definitely did, private. Did voting private. on a blockchain, right. so you. I understand right. there were some implementation problems with it, though. They have some bugs to work out, to be sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other cool thing that's happening, kind of on Ethereum too, like governance is just like experiments with like different governance models. Yes. So like you know you can have like okay, do you want to have like just a pure democracy where everyone gets a vote or you can have like their token weighted democracy. So basically your vote is yes. how much money you have. Right. Uh, it's worth that much. Or you could have stakeholders. Like, well, people have said like, or you can do like, um, so you could use like a prediction market for voting. So where you like bet on the outcome and then you would like bet on what you think is going to win and that can lead to different outcomes. The hedge fund for yeah. voting? <laughs> so there, there's like different ways that you can sort of yeah. set up a voting or you can give everybody five votes to vote on. You know, you can rank candidates. And there's a lot of these different experiments going on where like, you know, in the past... How do you decide on the truth, right? And these are different ways to decide on what the truth is, at least sure. according, to, according to the community, what is true. Right. Well, you know, in the, in the past, like whenever you wanted to test out a new voting system... It would be like really hard, yeah, because uh, you would need like some country or city to say like let's implement this, or some community. But now you have all of these little cryptocurrency communities right. popping up, and they're all like implementing these different experimental voting mechanisms. So you see a lot of these cool things where like you know a, a currency that's determined by you know richest person or something like that, and, and all of these different models that are set up for economies and currencies and voting. Um, so. A lot of experimentation going on. I like that. 
See, there's more than just tech. Going yeah. On. Well, you know, blockchain has uh, made surveys a lot better. It's one thing we I feel like we've, we've really accomplished. Like surveys are, I guess, better. There's less like duplicate, you know, uh, submissions and those kind of things. And I, I, this is kind of a joke, but uh, those kind of things, you know, the simple problems can be solved with what seems like a really complex technology. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but it, it but, showcases that proof of concept, right? Yeah. Where then you can do something that holds more weight, right? Survey seems pretty simplistic. Like you're over-engineering what a survey really is. But if you do it well and it's it comes out really good, then you can say we can host elections with yeah, it, right? Exactly. You know, you can change the way local governments do elections or even the president, you know, voting for that. So it's it's one of those the Nielsen that, ratings. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's right. And it could be verified as, as you were talking about Mark and stuff like that. And so it's one of those things that can change for the better of society. It's, it's pretty cool to see that. It's pretty cool to see you guys really in, in the space working on, on all that, on the tech. Yeah. And, right here in Frederick, Maryland. Right here in Frederick, Maryland. That's right. Yes. You know, so cool. So um, anything else you guys want to plug in before, before we call it? Um, yeah, so www.teller.io is our website. Want to spell Teller? T-E-L-L-O-R. Just to be sure. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any openings uh, or whatnot? Or, you know, if anyone else, if anyone's interested in... in you can come to the Frederick Cryptocurrency Meetups and come meet us. There you yeah, go. Oh, for sure. Yeah, go to download Meetup um, or go to the website and just Google Frederick Cryptocurrency. It'll be easy to find from there. Subscribe or whatever it is to get the notification. Just look out. We don't have anything scheduled, but we should do a happy hour soon. <laughs> Sounds very sociable. Schedule, <laughs> scheduling is on our to-do list. Yeah, we, we, we've sort of been doing it on a whim, but uh, yeah, we want to build and, then, and then go buy some cryptocurrency. Tell everybody. Um, do you guys own any? Yeah, for sure. Uh, what, what do you guys? What, what's your your? I guess your favorite. Uh, I don't want you guys to say Ethereum. Because <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. building on Ethereum, and we have to say that. Tell our tributes. <laughs> so we have our it's true. Own, we will actually. have our own um, now. So we can not on any exchanges yet. We actually just launched. Uh, oh, nice. Two weeks ago. Oh, so we, we have our own cryptocurrency now. Breaking news. Breaking yeah, news, yeah. Right? We're oh, exactly. That's right. But no, I mean, I I own Bitcoin. Ethereum. Yeah. If anybody out there wants to get into Same. mining, uh, we could we could help yeah, you with this that. call. If you're we need, we do need miners. Stop uh, by the office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stop by the office here. Let's see, and we can. Uh, yeah, we'll buy you a beer if you come be a miner on our system. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's awesome. Cool guys. Well, hey, I want to say thanks again for coming out on the show and talking crypto and and about you know teller and stuff and what you guys are doing. It's when I saw you guys it, on Twitter and I saw like you guys are in cryptocurrency here in Frederick, Maryland. I, I was ecstatic. I know a little bit about it enough that I bought some altcoins myself, but that was two years ago <laughs> so I do want to get back into it and I hope to see you guys again at the next uh, meetup that you guys post but again thanks a lot guys More thanks it was a pleasure they covered all the things I was thinking about yeah. okay cool yeah. yeah it was a pleasure well, we'll yeah, have you. us back sometime absolutely yeah. yeah we'll have you guys back and we're here well since we're like right next door yeah. literally in the office <laughs> over if somebody cancels you can be like guys. let's yeah. come back let's talk more crypto yes. Yes. Yeah. exactly <laughs> there's always something new to talk about <laughs> sounds good well again thanks guys and uh, till next time we'll see you